Race, right here, man, stand up real quick, real quick. Race, Race got born again a couple weeks ago, about a week and a half ago. And, um, and Race decided he wanted to be baptized on Easter. We were ready to do it like this week and everything else, but uh, we're going to do it on Easter sunrise service. Maybe your buddy uh, Lily might be getting baptized on sunrise service. You can sit down, bro. Oh, it's all right. good. All right. Sorry, man. Dude, way to just listen, man. All right. So most people start ignoring me after I kind of turn away. But uh, And uh, so anyways, if anybody is interested in getting baptized on that day, again, baptism doesn't save you. What it is, is it's a beautiful picture of the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. Um, really, when you're up there in the water, what does that look like? It looks like a cross. And when I take you under the water, that represents Jesus' death and burial. And uh, uh, what do I get to do next since you're not a fish? I get to bring you up again, right? And that represents Jesus' resurrection, his death, burial, and resurrection. But what it represents for you as you get baptized is you're preaching your first message, man. You'll be telling people when we put you under, and uh, uh, I can hold you down extra long if you would like. Uh, ask Tom. Where's Tom at? Yeah, yeah, Tom, tell him I can hold you down extra long. He didn't think I was going to, but I did. And uh, when I saw the bubbles stop, I brought him up, man. It was all good. But... It represents your death and burial to, live, to be in the boss of your life. You're saying, I'm dying to be in the boss of my life. I'm no longer the boss. I'm dying to that. And I'm rising again to, li to live a new life with Jesus Christ at, and that resurrection power being the, being the boss in my life. And uh, so I don't have to do what my old nature did. I don't have to sin. I don't have to do all this. I can now walk in victory, man, with that same resurrection power that raised Jesus from the grave, man. You good with that? Good. You. All right. So anyways, uh, if you have not been baptized, but you believe that and you, you are there you, and you've never been baptized and you'd like to, man, right on. We can do that. And sometimes if you're interested and you know what, man, you just need a fresh start in life and you say, dude, I just want to, I want to make a benchmark from this point on. I'm going for it. I'll baptize you with that too, man. You know, you just let me know. And it's not that we get paid by numbers or anything like that. What it is, is it's a proclamation of the gospel. And I'd like to do that anytime we can, right? All right. Hey, uh, how many of y'all know what these things are? Does anybody know what they are? Somebody raise your hand, tell me what they are. What are they, Ben? They're uh, mangrove seeds. What kind of mangroves, Tom? Uh, how about black mangroves? No, they look like black It's a red mangrove seed, man. And uh, yeah, back all, when you look out your back porch out there in Wildcat Cove, you see all those prop roots coming down. Those are the red mangroves. There's three kinds of mangroves back here in our, in our mangrove swamp. There's red mangroves. Those are the ones that have the prop roots coming down. And uh, they're like protection for all the little fish, and they hold our islands together. And then there's black mangroves, and there's white mangroves. And I'm going to tell you about all of those. You go, uh, maybe we'll preach on that another time. I did for Mother's Day, I think, one time. But the red mangrove, this is a seed. And what happens with this red mangrove is, let me see if I can grab one of these, um, is that uh, this time of year, they're starting to grow these seeds. And right now, they're only about this big on the tree. And they're going to keep growing, keep growing. And they're going to get to be about this long. And when they get to be about this long, at the end of summer, what they start doing is they drop. And it's so cool, man, that God made this perfect little cap to protect this little tip so that it could grow. And so what will happen is it'll drop. And because it's got an end, like a point, and it's kind of heavy that way, if there's mud right there where other mangroves have been growing, it just sticks. And in fact, if you want to, you can take a jar of mud, and as long as you keep it wet, you can stick one of these seeds in it, and you can grow one yourself. 
Now, good luck disposing of it because it's illegal to dispose of a mangrove, whether you grew it or not. So, but it will grow and it'll tolerate salt, but it doesn't need that salt. But what happens with these mangrove seeds is that they'll fall. And I found all of these on the beach this morning. So that means, you know, they can float around for about a year. But after about six, seven, eight months, man, and they're, and they're not floating in the right spot, they wash up in places and they start to wither away and they start to die. And so these mangrove seeds that I found, I found these on the beach today. And so none of these are going to are going to grow unless somebody decides to rescue them. All right, so save the mangrove seeds. Not really, but you can if you want. Um, but the idea is this. I want to share something about this. You know what? Like this mangrove seed right here, this one has got roots on it. So evidently, it kind of started growing somewhere, and it just didn't take, it didn't have the right kind of soil, and so a storm came and washed it out. And, 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 and these mangroves are never going to grow on the beautiful beach. They don't grow on the beach. They don't grow in the pristine sand. They don't grow even on beautiful concrete sidewalks that we put on the beach, do they? They don't grow there. They don't grow on docks. They don't. Can anybody tell me where the mangroves grow? In the mud. In the mud. Everybody say, in the mud. In the mud. Can you tell me where you grow? Everybody say, in, in the, the mud. mud. All right, so mangroves grow. In the mud. And you grow in the mud. In the mud. These seeds can fall, and like I said, this one evidently found some shallow sand somewhere, and then it got washed away. You know, this one here, it literally could still probably be planted and saved, so if somebody wants to do that, you could do it there. Uh, I'll, I'll leave it up here. But basically, this one just was laying there trying to grow a little bit of roots. You know what's the sad thing about this one right here? This one's never going to grow. This one's done, man. It's done. It floated around for about a year, and it's now washed up on the beach, and it never found where it was supposed to be, and it never grew. It ne Maybe it, you know, when it did drop, where did it land? Where do mangroves grow? In the mud. And so where did this come from? It came from the mud. mud. So when it fell, it landed in the mud. mud. It landed in the right place, but it didn't grow in the mud. And how many of you, when you get in the mud of life, when life, you know what, everybody know what the mud of life is? Man, the mud of life is not where we want to be. We want to be on the nice sugar white sand beach. We want to be on the pool patio. You know, uh, how many of you, like if your condo all of a sudden got rid of the pool patio, got rid of it, and all you had was mud, and they put the lounge chairs there, how many of y'all be digging that? A few of you would. But most of you want the beach sand. You want the concrete patio, not the mud, but it's the mud of life was where we grow. And so when God gives us the mud of life, when we've got those tough, muddy times in our life, what do we do? Do we try to grow? Do we try to relish that? Do we try to get as close to God as possible? Or how many of you would say, I am guilty that as soon as I get in the mud of life, my first plan is to get out of the mud as quick as possible? Is that not what we try to do? God puts us in the mud so we can grow. And what we try to do is we try to escape. We try to escape unchanged unscathed we try to get out of it without being changed without having anything happen when in the reality of everything is is that mangroves grow where in the mud. and we grow in the, in the mud how many of you have ever gone through a tough time in your life and you would say that was one of the greatest growth times for you would you raise your hand and testify to that absolutely we don't grow laying on the patio 
laying, laying on the, the pool deck in a lounge chair. Well, we do grow, but not, we don't grow. Man, we grow in the mud. And so what's gonna, where we're at in Acts chapter 8 is the church is getting ready to go through a period of time where, where the Jews are going to put them in the mud for the purpose of destroying them, the purpose of burying them. They got a little momentum now that they killed Stephen, as we learned last week. They, the, the church now has their first martyr, and up to this point, it's been pretty cool. Everybody's seeing all these miracles. Everybody's getting born again, but it's not, they've not had a lot of opposition. But now there's the first martyr. And dude, they are, that Stephen got killed. And this guy named Saul, who later becomes the Apostle Paul, was the one spearheading the whole thing. And so the Jews and all of those who were opposing the born-again Christ followers, now they had some momentum and they were able to put the church under intense persecution. They were throwing the church in the mud to destroy the church. But as a song we just sang a little while ago, the gates of hell cannot prevail against the church. The church is God's thing, and God says he's guarding, he's protecting the church. Not a church like Driftwood or first this, first that. The church, the born-again believers. And when he puts you in the mud like he put the church, man, know you're there for a purpose. They could have looked at it as political opposition. Man, man, we're getting you know, persecuted. We're doing all these things. But the fact is, is that it, who's the one who put him in the mud, Laura? Who put him there? It wasn't really the Romans. Was it really the, was it real? No, I caught you on the spot. Who was it? Come on, man. Tell me, who was it? Natalie, help her out. One, two, three. It was God who helped. Yeah, God who helped you say that. No, it was God who put them in the mud. They could have blamed, the government could have blamed the Jews, the religious system today. Those are all just things God uses. But if you're a child of God, he says you're a peculiar person in the New Testament. And that doesn't mean you're a dork, okay? That's not what peculiar means. It means actually in the Greek you're encompassed. It's like there's a big basketball and you're in the middle of that. And nothing comes into your life unless it's by God's design. So if you as a born-again believer get thrown into the mud, who put you there? It's God. And God's purpose, is it, for, is it to destroy you or to make you grow? What is his purpose? To make you grow. So don't try to just paddle out and escape out of the mud as quick as possible. You go on a paddleboard tour with me, man, and we go out there on a low tide day, dude. We, we find all kinds of cool stuff in the mud stuff that we couldn't find dude there's my buddy pittsburgh rob we, we do something called cheese balling he brought that term from from pittsburgh with him cheese balling is just walking around the mud looking for cool stuff if you will stay in the mud you will have growth and you're gonna see the church get thrown in the mud and they saw it from god's perspective so they didn't see it as, as their enemy necessarily being the church, the political system, they saw it as something God was doing to now further the gospel. According to Acts 1.8, anybody remember that? He said, when you receive power, when you receive the spirit, you're going to receive power to become poster children for me, witnesses for me. Where did he say they were going to be uh, witnesses at? In Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria. And to the ends of the earth. So keep that in mind as we go through this, these eight verses we're going to look at today, all right? And so see if God's not fulfilling all of that. So 
Here's where we ended last week. Bottom line is these guys were, uh, Stephen saw heaven split open. He saw Jesus standing on the right hand side of God, welcoming him in. And they stoned Stephen to death. And it took a lot of guts to kill the first martyr because, you know, some of them probably thought, God, this really is true, man. We should be expecting some lightning bolts. But guess what? No lightning bolts. They killed Stephen. And all of a sudden, now they've got this guy named Saul that is now egging them on. Look what the first verse says. Now Saul was consenting to his death. That doesn't mean Saul was the dude sitting behind the desk and snapped. Yep, he's dead. That's not what that means. When you study this Greek word consenting, it means he was egging them on. It would be like, come on, Mill, go kill a Christian, man. Come on, you and Susie. I'll give you rocks. I'll even give you an address. Tara, you and your family want to do something good for God? Let's go kill some Christians, baby. Here's a map. Here's one in your very own neighborhood. You go, boom, share the rocks with them. And that's what Paul was doing now. When it said Paul was consenting to his death, he's saying, way to go. Dude, way to go, Mac. You killed that. You have started it off. We have been waiting for this. Everybody's scared of these Christians because they've seen miracles happening. Man, don't you worry about that. Man, you started it off. Now everybody's going to go do it. And everybody now was ready and they had the confidence via Paul's encouragement to go start killing the Christians. Now, how would you like that? <laughs> how would you? We're in small group, Natalie, on Monday nights. All right, Ben, we're in small group. Your mom and your mom and dad's little beauty salon, and we're all in there. We're all worshiping in small group, Kevin Revival in Leviticus. And all of a sudden, man, people come in, and they start killing, uh, coming to kill us. Or at least dragging us out, dragging you out by your hair, Susie, and dragging you out by your feet, Milk, and they're dragging you and throwing you in jail. Would you consider that a good thing or a bad thing right off the bat? Yeah. A bad thing. That's what's getting ready to happen here. Saul was consenting to the death. Saul was like, way to go. Let's go get them all now. And so what would be your initial reaction, Tom, at our small group on Thursday night? What would be your initial reaction if all of a sudden they started coming? I'm thinking there's a few closets there. I might hide in one. You can hide with me. <laughs> you know, dude, that's what's getting ready to happen. Paul is saying, Saul is saying, let's go get them. And so he was consenting to the death. And look what the next part says. At that time, a great persecution arose against the church, which is at Jerusalem. Oh, my goodness. Now everybody who was not a believer at the time, and there were at least probably five, ten thousand believers we know of at the time. But everybody else, they were tired of the change. They didn't like what was happening now with ten thousand plus people all worshiping God and changing their system and their economy. And so they all now jump on the bandwagon. How many of y'all ever seen people just jump on the bandwagon and not know what's on the bandwagon? You know what I'm saying? You know how easy that is. So that's what was happening. They had a leader named Saul. And he's like, yes, come on. And others are like, yeah, come on. And all of a sudden, they had a bandwagon of people that were all now going to persecute the Christians. Look what it says, man. It says, oh, back up one. It said, a, a, a great persecution, not just persecution, but a great persecution. I mean, it came undone. If you were to see in America, all of a sudden, Christianity become illegal. And not only illegal, where, you know, they don't really enforce the laws, but they're just not giving us permits to worship, and we're having to do it in secret. But now let's say all of a sudden, now they're actually, it's really illegal, and now they're arresting us for being Christians. And there's nowhere we can have church even in jail because they're not letting us have the. How many of you would blame the government, and how many of you would blame God? 
But who put this in, in practice? Who did this come from? It came from God. And as a child of God, you can be sure that whatever comes into your life is by God's sovereignty. Has God ever lost control of this planet? No. Is he still in control? In fact, you ever doubt it? In Psalm 100, I think it says, the stars, the heavens declare his handiwork. Go and look on a clear night at all the stars and the moon. And no, those are bigger than our planet. And if one of them was even said to be crashing into our planet, would where you're going to eat lunch matter? <laughs> would anything matter? No. But it's not crashing into the planet because who's taking care of all that? God. It's all by his design, whatever's coming into your life. That's why you've got to continually be able to. Hey, why are we here, Ann? We've got to continually be able to see it through God's perspective, man. That's it. That's what's got to happen. So Saul was saying, go get him, guys. Everybody said, yeah, let's go get him. And a great persecution arose against the church at Jerusalem. So where was the church supposed to start at? In Jerusalem. But it was also supposed to go out to, where's the next place? Judea and Samaria, and then to the ends of the earth. But you know what? The church might have just been getting so comfortable in Jerusalem. Hey, you ever get comfortable in your walk with Christ? You ever had it right where you want it? You know, right where you want it, it's all manageable, it's nice and neat, it's all good, and all of a sudden, now God throws you in the mud. It's not to destroy you, it's to grow you. If it was all good right there, you'd probably just stay there forever. And the gospel would have only come to Jerusalem. But he had to somehow get them out of their comfort zone. So the only way to get them out of their comfort zone was to bring some persecution. Persecution has never destroyed the church, it's always grown the church throughout church history. It's always grown the church. The second church in the book of Revelation uh, is, is the church in Smyrna. Is the church Smyrna, and Smyrna comes from a root word, myrrh. And myrrh was a root, the, the plant that they used. And it, just by itself, it didn't have that much of a smell. But what they would do is when that plant got crushed, it put off such a fragrance that they would cover dead bodies with it. Any of y'all ever smell roadkill before? You ever, man, roadkill out in front of your yard or out somewhere. I mean, dude, neighbor's yard, roadkill. Can you imagine a plant that you could crush that would be so fragrant that it would overpower the roadkill? That's what myrrh was. And he called this church Smyrna because the beauty of Christ didn't come out until it got squished. And that's the same with us. Remember we talked about a few weeks ago? You squeeze an orange, you get what? But you squeeze a Christian, what do you get? You get Christ. So God wants us to be squeezed sometimes, but we've got to see it from his perspective. Here's you and here's God. And if you don't let pressure get between you and God, it pushes you tighter together with him. But if you let it get between you and God, it pushes you farther apart. And so you keep that pressure on the outside of you and God pushing you closer together. And so this is what was happening in Jerusalem. God had to get them out of Jerusalem and he chose persecution to do it. Next verse, please. And they were all, what's the next word? They were all what? Yeah, dude, you start burning people. You start feeding them to the lions. You see them. The police come in, like, like they come in, Tom, like I'm saying, bro, I'm not, I'm not breaking bad, but they start coming into our small group on Thursday night. I'm going to be the first, I'm going to be fighting Amy for the closet to hide in, right? You know, I'll be pushing her out. Here, take her. No, I wouldn't do that to you. But man, they all scattered. Boom, get out of here. Because you know what? Just because you're a Christian doesn't mean you're always brave, does it? How many of you ever gone into a test God's put you and he's thrown you in the mud and you're scared to death? 
Aren't you scared to death? It isn't until afterwards, when you see the wake of his faithfulness, that you're big and bad and brave and can talk about it. In the middle of it, it's pretty scary, isn't it? And you're like, I don't know how this is going to work out. I don't know what's going to end in it. I don't know how I'm going to get through it. But God, I know that you've got me in it, and I'm going to trust you. And I'm going to trust you, and I'm going to follow you with my whole heart, with my whole soul, with everything I got. I'm going to follow you. And then when you're done with it, then now you've got confidence to look at the wake of his faithfulness in your life. But they were scared, so they scattered throughout all, all the regions of Judea and, and where? Samaria. So where did God say they were going to go in Acts 1-8 when they got power? They're going to start in Jerusalem, and where were they going to go? Judea and Samaria. Where did they end up going? Judea and Samaria. You know what? God always wins, folks. Don't fight God. Don't make him have to squish you and throw you in the mud. If before he throws you in the mud, you already know what he wants you to do, do it. But how many of y'all are hard of hearing sometimes? And he's got to throw you in the mud, man, and allow you to be able to grow. That's every one of us. And so he took them and he scattered them all through Judea and Samaria except the apostles. Now, you know what? He needed to leave somebody behind. Would you rather be scattered and get away from the persecution, or would you rather the job of being stuck in the persecution? Which job would you rather have? Scattered. Yeah, dude, scattered. That's what I want. But you know what? In reality, that's without me thinking. When I'm seeing it from God's perspective, you know what the answer is? I want to be wherever he wants me. If he wants me scattered, I want to scatter. If he wants me there in the middle of it, I want to be in the middle of it. I want to be right where he wants me to be. And that's why we've got to continually see life from his perspective so we know where that is. Because we grow in the mud. You know, if the apostles would have scattered because they were scared, then you know what? They would have been like this mangrove seed. They'd have drifted all over the place and washed up and never grown. And the, and the church wouldn't grow. Man, but God had it all under control. He knew what he had to do to make it all happen. And his sovereignty, it all worked. And so the apostles had to stay there, and they grew in the mud. These guys went out, and here's the story of these guys. Oh, well, let's go ahead, and we'll look at the next part. And look at this. Okay, so we take a little time out parentheses in here. It says in the uh, next verse, what are we in, verse 2? And devout men carried Stephen to his burial and made a great lamentation of him. This word devout men probably means not born again, but they were Jews. They were Jews in Jerusalem who did not really agree with what happened to Stephen. This was not done right. This was not done by the rules. This wasn't done by even the religious rules. This wasn't done by the, by the Romans' rules. This wasn't right. This man didn't deserve to have this done. And we protest. And so they protested, and, and that's what it means when it says uh, they lamented over him at this point. You know, it wasn't people that necessarily loved him. They were having a formal protest. And you know what? Sometimes in our life, um, the first reaction we have is we protest instead of pray. You know, don't we? We make a protest. We try to get, talk. Milton, do you know what they did to me? And Susie, tell Susie because she's, she's a tough one and she'll go after them. And they get Ellie, man. She'll be praying that they'll have a lightning bolt come and hit their head and split their... And Terry, you know what they did? And we get everybody in our own little pity party, don't we? And we make a big protest over the whole thing. Well, that's kind of what these lost people did because that's all they had. The people who didn't have Jesus couldn't see it from God's perspective. They just saw something was unfair. Anybody ever say that? It's not fair. Do your kids ever say that, bro? Hey, do you guys ever say that? You guys stay in the church, so I can ask you questions, man. Did, did you ever say, it's not fair? Yeah, how many of you adults say, it's not fair? Anybody, let's do it 
one time just to hear us all say it. It's not fair. Oh, no, say it the way you say it. Right now you're like, okay, it's not fair. No, say it the way you say it when you, it's not fair. Right? Isn't that what we do? But, dude, who set it up? Who set it all up? God did. And it's maybe not fair, but it's just, and it's for his glory, and it's for your good. You got that? Whatever he does, it's for his glory and for your good if you grow in the mud. He's put you there, man. And guess what? When you come out of the mud being a big, strong, mighty uh, red mangrove, man, people take notice. And people take shelter in that. That's the purpose of those mangroves out in the, out in the swamp. Everything takes shelter in that. They find confidence in that. So development carried Stephen out to his uh, burial, and they made a great lamentation over him. So these are people that had no God, and all they could do was make a protest. Man, I'm not saying don't protest. I'm not saying don't speak your mind. I'm not saying those things, but, dude, make sure you see it from God's perspective so that you can help others see it from God's perspective. Because that's why you've been left behind on this planet. You've been left behind to help people. People look at your life and say, oh, man, that's not fair. And you say, yeah, but, dude, I can't wait to see how it's going to work out, what God's doing right now. It may not be fair. You're right. But, God, I'm going to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And everything I need is going to be added unto me. You wait and see how God's going to do it. And God will do it. Has God ever let you down when you waited on him? When you trust him, when you stay in the mud. No, you know when he lets you down is when you don't do what he says to do. And it's not him letting you down. It's you getting out from his protection. He's trying to grow you in the mud. And you go try to escape to some beautiful little beach. And yeah, you start growing some roots, man. But then you wither away because you can't grow except in the mud. So he goes on. And next verse, verse 3 says, as for Saul... Okay, remember Saul? He's like, go get him. You did an awesome job killing that Christian. Let's all go get the Christians. And there was a great persecution. And it says, as for Saul, he made havoc of the church. How would you describe havoc? Anybody got a great definition for havoc? Without cussing, man. Yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah, pandemonium. Yes. Oh, how many of y'all remember Dusty Rose? Most of y'all aren't even old enough uh, pro wrestling. You've heard Dusty Rose. Pandemonium. What he did, Pandemonium. There he was. Pandemonium, man. The epitome of chaos. The Apostle Paul, before he was Apostle Paul, he was Saul. And Saul made havoc, pandemonium on the church. As he got everybody else motivated and rolling to go against the church, Man, he now had extra strength behind him and encouragement. And he was just that leader that could get anybody going. He was an instigator, right? He got everybody going, but then he got going too. Look what he was doing here. It says, entering every house. Robert and Marilyn, man, Marilyn, you've talked before in small group about how you and Robert, man, you'll just start having a Bible study in your house. You'll start praying. Can you imagine Saul coming in? He's coming in your house when you're having your daily devotion. Natalie, when you're out there at Pepper Park or wherever you, Avalon, and you're studying, all of a sudden, Paul's got the police dragging you out by your hair. Because look what happened. He was entering every house, and what's the next word? And dragging. Literally, Natalie, he sees you. Oh, you got a Bible? Cool. He's dragging you out by your hair. This was not some well-calculated little, you know, like, okay, you better stop or we're going to spank you. Dude. This dude was finding anybody and everybody that worshiped Christ and going after him full bore. 
And so he made havoc of the church because every small group he found, which is what the church was at the time, they only had one big place to worship, and that was the Jewish temple. And that's probably why a lot of the Jews got on board because they were tired of their church being taken over. And so, man, in every one of these small groups, Paul's going. Paul's saying, okay, you know what? You guys go get them. They're in there right now. Bam! And they send it on them. Dragging off. Oh, they were just dragging off the men, right? No, read the next part. Dragging off men and, and committing them to prison. Putting them in prison until they could figure out what to do with them. Do you know what they did with the Christians? Fed them to the lions. Oh, my goodness. Um, Jim, who's Pastor Jim, who's been in, in uh, Israel many times, or the Colise uh, Rome, I'm sorry, the Colosseum, evidently. The Colosseum, they say that the floor is not made of dirt, but the ashes of martyrs. There were that many Christians killed. You know, it's like... They, they would wrap Christians up and they would wrap them up in, in rags and st that were soaked in some kind of petroleum product. They would tie them to a stake at their garden parties and they would light them on fire. They would, for sport, have a fight against each other and they're like not fighting, so they would turn lions on. They would throw wild beasts in there and have them, have them run and they would, they would bet on which beast was going to get which person first. They had so many abusive things that they did to the Christians at this point. So when it says committing to prison, that was just till they could figure out what they were going to do. Because surely if the government has got control of everything and they're trying to stamp out Christianity, they can do it, can't they? Can persecution destroy Christianity? No. And every single time, just like that myrrh plant, every time the church gets crushed, Christ comes out. When does Christ not come out in our lives? How about when our bank accounts are full and fat and sassy? When everything's going the way we like it? And Terry, it does. Don't you like it to go the way we like it? Yes, we like it comfortable. I like sitting on my spiritual couch and the spiritual couch potato, eating spiritual bonbons, watching spiritual TV, man, and surfing the spiritual web, man. I love life easy that way. But you don't grow spiritually. We grow physically, don't we? We don't grow spiritually. Man, whenever God makes it tough, you know, you've heard it with Jonah. You can have one heck of a prayer meeting in the belly of a well, can't you? <laughs> when God puts you in those tough positions, man, it's amazing how nothing else matters and we totally focus on him. But let me ask you a question. What was the very first commandment he ever gave the Jews, the Israelites? Love the Lord your God with all your what? Okay, with all your heart. That's all your desires. With all your soul. All your soul. That's everything about you. All your strength and all your love him with everything. So isn't it sad that sometimes he's got to allow that persecution to come in our lives for us to love him the way we're supposed to? But when we get fat and sassy and comfortable, man, we're like, yeah, God, I got it. I'll, I'll go to church on maybe this, uh, you know, I... It's awful bright outside. I think I'm going to stay in today. Or that wind's blowing too much. Or, man, I'm not going to small group. I'm, I, you know, I'm, I'm just not feeling right. I'm not going to, you know, God, I don't want to read the Bible. i got other things to do. I'll do it later today. But, buddy, I'll tell you what, when you're hungry, you eat, don't you? That's what my mama said about food growing up. We didn't have a household where, where they would, uh, I didn't offend them. They told me they had to leave right now. So you're one minute, you're leaving one minute early, dude. All right, we'll see you next time. <laughs> but. Man, when I was growing up, you didn't say at our household, oh, I don't like this. My mom didn't cook meals for everybody. She cooked one meal. 
You know what my mom said? If you said you didn't like it, she said, you ain't hungry. <laughs> if you were hungry, you would eat it because it was edible and it was nutritious, right? Now, I'm sorry if that ain't how you do it and I just blew it for you, you know, but the, fa the fact is spiritually, when you're hungry, you're hungry. But you know what happens? What happens when you eat and eat and eat and eat and you never exercise? What happens to you? You get fat. How many of you have ever at Thanksgiving, you've eaten all your favorite meal and you're just like fat and you're on the couch right now? Anybody, can anybody identify with that right now? And then Aunt Susie breaks out the pies, right? Dude, why don't we have those first? But she breaks out the pies and I'm already bloated right here and there's key lime and pecan and you have your pumpkin, man. These are cracker pies here. And anyways, man, she's bringing all the pies out right now. And I'm so full right now that my very favorite pies don't even look attractive anymore. I'm too full to eat something that's good. And isn't that what happens right now? We live in a day and age where we've got podcasts, man. You can listen to all the best preachers in the world. Man, we've got so much teaching going on. we got, we got so many Bibles. We are so full. But if all we do is take it in and never exercise spiritually, we get fat and lazy. And you know what we do? We say, well, I ain't going back to that church. They didn't feed me. No, what probably happened is you are so spiritually fat, you need some spiritual exercise. Seriously, that's what happens to us. We need to exercise. We need to be put under pressure. We need to go out and we need to serve. Because I guarantee you, you need that big Thanksgiving meal and you go out with my nephews and play some flag football, especially at 54. Dude, you're going to be wheezing and digging a cup of water in about a half hour, about 15 minutes. <laughs> you're going to want it. So we've got to get out and we've got to exercise. We've got to, we, we've got to take that mud that he throws us in. And we've got to let that make us grow. Realize it's there on purpose. So Saul, man, it's, it's when we don't have this that the church gets lazy and the church just gets flat and the church loses its power. Saul, as he made havoc on the church, entering every house, dragging off men and women, committing them to prison. Man, that's a mess. How many of y'all would be beefing up your prayer life? If that's happening and you're a believer and you're really a believer and you can't deny it, you're not just coming to church because, you know, it's like something to do and you just meet these friends and it's all. You're, now you're coming to church because you need some soul food, right? Man, how many of y'all be beefing up your prayer life when all that's going on? You know you would. Therefore, okay, so because of this, the church now is persecuted. So therefore, all the 10 to 20,000 people that gave their life to Christ, they went and they hid. And they went in caves and they found their own little communities in the caves and they, they had secret services and secret worship. And, and you know what? They started kind of going back to their Jewish ways and they forgot all about Christ. Let's see if that's what happens. Look at verse 4. Therefore, because of all this persecution, beefing up, those who were scattered did what? They went everywhere and what did they do? Preach the word. Because remember what we said before? When you receive power, he causes you to preach. And when you preach, you get persecution. When you get persecution, you And when you pray, you get And you start preaching all over again. But guess what? We're going to add one part to this. Because when you get power, he causes you to preach. Right? And when you preach, you get persecution. But we're going to add something to that. If. You see why the persecution is there. We have productivity. We have the church growing. 
We have the gospel being shared because here's how these gospel conversations happen. It'd be like, dude, you're like, oh, you're new in town, aren't you? And I'm like, yeah, man, I came from Jerusalem and I gave my life to this Christ dude who like died. But dude, he rose again for sure. I know he did. But man, they're like burning people there. They're killing people. And I, yeah, I'm chicken. So I, I came over here to Thessalonica, man. How's Thessalonica? You got any, know anybody need a roommate, job? And you're like, no, tell me more about this thing that you did. Why, why didn't you just renounce? No, I, I can't renounce it. I trusted my life to this Jesus, and now I'm here. And so you see how they started sharing the gospel? They started going different places. People were like, what are you doing in my town? How many people ever get a new person in your condo, and you got to check them all out, right? Isn't that what you do? Hey, we got a new resident. We better check him out and make sure they're okay right now, right? Where'd you come from? And they're like, yeah, dude, I came from Jerusalem, man. And there's a miracle going on. God's power showing up. We gave our life to him. There's persecution, and now we're here. Well, dude, tell me more. And that's how the gospel spread. And it spread the same way today. So now, when they received power, they preached, and they got persecution, and they got productivity because they prayed, and they got more power. And God sent them. God made it productive. Therefore, those who were scattered went everywhere preaching the word. Next verse. Then Philip, he's one of the other of the deacons that, or the guys in Acts chapter 6 we mentioned. He went down to a city of Samaria, and that's a city of half-breeds. People didn't like the Samaritans, and he started preaching Christ to them. Why? Because for me to live is Christ, to die is gain. He had nothing else to say. He went to Samaria and preached, and let's see what happened. It says, and the multitudes with one accord listened, heeded the things spoken by Philip hearing and seeing the miracles which he did. Now, were they seeing Philip and hearing Philip, or were they seeing and hearing God? The Holy Spirit, when you have the Holy Spirit, it doesn't matter who you are, that's what's coming through. Now, if you go do it in the flesh, that's what's coming through. But these folks, were he was filled with the Spirit, and everybody's listening, so there's revival breaking out in Samaria. Next verse, please. For unclean spirits. Now, you got to understand, in that day, everybody didn't have the Holy Spirit. And so the devil had free reign. You know what? why the devil doesn't have free reign today is because all of us who are believers are carrying around the Holy Spirit. And the Bible even teaches that when we are raptured, when we're taking up, when the Holy Spirit is removed from this planet because we're removed, that all hell is going to break loose again. It's the Holy Spirit that restrains the devil. And at that time, the Holy Spirit wasn't everywhere. So they're going in places where the Holy Spirit hadn't been. And so that's why you always see de demon possessions and, and, and all of this stuff being cast out. Because that's what was needed to be done there. That was the greatest miracle that could happen. So unclean spirits crying out with a loud voice came out of many who were possessed. And many who were paralyzed and lame and they were healed. So bottom line is God showed his power. Now... Does God, can God still show his power that same way? Absolutely, you better believe he can. But God shows his power in many different ways. Race, become, being spiritually dead, now being born again and alive in Christ, that's a pretty awesome miracle. Did you need somebody to heal you and make you be able to walk? No, because you already were walking, right? You know, do you need somebody to heal your eyes and make you see? No, because you're not blind. But were you dead and lost and had no spiritual desire? Yeah, that's the miracle God did. God takes whatever miracles he needs to do, and he gets to choose how and when and where to do them, and he does them, and we submit. And God is doing miracles today, and one of the greatest miracles he's taking people who are spiritually dead and making them alive. Do you want to be a part of that? 
Go for it. Start sharing the gospel. And so Philip got scattered, and that's what he did. He went and shared the gospel. And so on the last verse, look what it says in this last verse. Help me out. Everybody read this together, and we're done. And there was what was there in that city? Great joy. Dude, let me ask you a question. When you're full of, full of God, what's in, your, what's in your, your life? Isn't it great joy? But, but you've got to grow in the mud, folks. You've got to grow in the mud. And that's where we're at. I want you, if you ever are walking on the beach and you see these mangrove seeds, don't be like a mangrove seed that's washed up on the beach because it's never going to grow there. Man, I hope you go out paddleboard and you get back in. We're going to be out there later today, and I'm going to show you, man. They sprout right up. That's where God has you grow is in the mud. Now, try not to get too, you know, comfortable when you are comfortable. I think you always need to be asking God. I'm not saying God doesn't want you to have comfort, but I will tell you this. God is way more concerned with your character than he is your comfort. And I think he's going to provide whatever you need to do whatever it is he's calling you to do. But the fact of us, the fact is, is we've really redefined what Christian comfort is these days. And David Platt kind of blew that out with a book called Radical. <laughs> Have anybody here ever read Radical? And I'm not saying go read it, but it's a, it's a good book because what he did, he said the American dream has killed Christianity. Because we've made that priority over doing what God's called us to do in a lot of ways. So much money, so much stuff, so much time, talent, and treasure is being spent on us instead of where God wants it being spent. Time, talent, and treasure, all of those things. And so what I want you to think about is this, that when you get put in the mud, who put you there? God put you there. And what are we supposed to do in the mud? Man, don't try to run out of the mud. Don't try to get out of it. God's got you there. And you know what? You guys remember Tarzan? How many of you are old enough to watch Tarzan on Saturday mornings? You remember Tarzan? And you know that was filmed in Florida before they covered Florida with concrete? That's what Florida looked like, literally. I promise you that is filmed in Florida, <laughs> up in central Florida where I grew up. And, but you remember, what was one of the things? Every show, somebody got stuck in what? Quicksand. You remember that? And, and I hear my mom, everybody be watching, because there wasn't much TV on, and everybody, oh, don't wiggle, don't wiggle, you're going to sink. Stay still. And I'm thinking, dude, I would not be staying still. I'd be trying to swim out of it. My mom would be like, no, if you swim in quicksand, man, you're going to sink. I'm like, have you ever swam in quicksand? No, in my mind, I only said that. Otherwise, I got smacked as a kid, right? But, man, it was like, don't move, don't move. Well, what do you do? You put your arm up, and you just cry and say, help. And then you remember, way over here, there was Tarzan, right? All right, so how many of y'all remember Tarzan's yell? You guys remember Tarzan's yell? Okay, so help me out on the count of three just so they don't hear me. Oh! You can tell I played this a lot as a kid in the trees. We would swing through the trees, and all of a sudden they would hear, what? And all of a sudden Tarzan's swinging down, and he's got a hand down there. And you know what? There were some people that didn't have a hand up, and he swung right by him, right? And then on the way back, maybe, it's like, stick your hand up. Oh, oh, oh. And, and, and if the dude never stuck his hand up, the dude sunk, right? But if that guy stuck his hand up, what did Tarzan do? Yanked him up and somehow had enough, is it centrifugal force? Enough kinetics, enough, I don't know what it was, dude. What was it, the principle? 
Yeah, he had enough energy to perfectly land them both right on a tree. <laughs> and in his cool little bikini thing he had on, right? And, but the point is, is that person had to cry out for help, stick their hand up, and that person had to allow Tarzan to grab their hand. And that's how he got out of the mud. I'll close on this. 1 Corinthians 10, 13. I've shared it before. One of my favorite verses that says, there's no, and it was written by the Apostle Paul after he got saved. He said, there's no temptation or test taking you, but it's common to man. Any test you're going through, any test you're going through, someone else has gone through, and someone is going to go through, don't ever let the devil think you're an isolated case. Woe is me, I'm the only one dealing with this, because no, you're not. The Bible says it's common to man. The next part says, but God's faithful. God has helped people out of that quicksand, and he's allowed some people to sink in that quicksand. And the difference is those who listen to him and those that don't. So no temptation taking you, but such is common to man. Look at the next part. It says, but God is faithful who will not allow you to be tempted above that you're able. So God is not going to put you in a temptation that there's no escape for. But it's not your strength. It's not your maneuvering. It's not your wisdom. He says in the end of that verse, with the temptation he will make a way to escape. I shared this with you last week. Y'all remember the spitball? <laughs> I shared it with you last week. He will make a way to escape. You can't crawl your, we, we've all crawled our way out of the mud and not learned a lesson, period. And that's why we keep ending up in the same mud sometimes. But he will make a way to escape. You figure out why you're there and you grow. And you grow from it and you grow your faith. Man, and, 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 and you can be something that you couldn't be if you never were in that test. Man, that mud is such a blessing. Don't run from it. Run to him. Cry out to him. And just at the right time, like Tarzan, he's going to be, oh, 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 and he's going to come down at the right time. You remember? You remember Tarzan? Dude, I remember the guy's head's going under and all there is is an arm. Just at the right time, man. God will yank you out. He'll make the way. He'll yank you out. And he's going to teach you and grow you through that in ways he couldn't any other way. It's his plan. Let's pray. Father, I love how you teach us that the church grows through persecution. Um, but we are the church as individuals. And um, Father, we grow through persecution. We grow through trials. We grow through tribulation. Father, the ones that we cause on, on our, bring on ourselves, um, plenty of us have jumped in the mud ourselves. We put ourselves in these bad situations, but it's awesome to know that like Tarzan, if we cry out to you, you will rescue us in due time. But you've even allowed us to kind of sink in the mud a little bit on our own accord, on our, by our own doing, to, to kind of teach us a lesson and teach us to be able to cry out to you and call on you. But while we're doing that, our total focus is on you. And I just think about what Peter and James both said, that we'll have perfect peace if our mind is stayed on you. So, Father, for those who are in mud right now because of their own doing, which is probably all of us in some respects, Father, I pray that we would look to you to be our solution. And we would just love you with everything we have following but Father, sometimes you've put some of us in situations that we don't understand why. Why does this keep happening? And it's because you have designed it to grow us. You've, you're preparing us our, you've been preparing us our whole life for this moment and using this moment to prepare us for the future. 
Father, help us no matter what the situation. Help us to keep our eyes on you and trust you and focus on you. And Father, I pray that if there's somebody here that's never surrendered their life to you, they don't know they're going to heaven when they die, that you would give them a desire to believe what your word says, that they're a sinner and they've earned a free trip to hell, but Jesus died on a cross and paid for all the sins of the world for those who'd accept him. Father, give them a desire to believe that, to believe that if they surrender themselves to you, that you'll rescue them and not only give them eternal life, but use them while they're here. Father, that's a desire they can't muster up. Father, that's a desire you have to give them. And if you give them that desire, you give them that ability. Give them a desire they can't refuse to surrender themselves to you. And Father, we give you all the praise and glory for doing that greatest miracle of this day of taking someone spiritually dead and making them alive. Father, help us see the mud for what it's supposed to be. And help us never forget that we grow in the mud. And I pray for these things in Jesus' name.